Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey Dave. Yeah Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, it's me, the man that is still Tin and Duyeb despite my best efforts. And welcome to the Partly Political Broadcast. Well, not properly, but as this podcast isn't returning for a few more weeks yet, I thought it'd be best to do a quick break from the summer break episode. You know, a summer break break, if you like, or a parpol bro, some bree bree, or a PPB, SBB, if you prefer, which you probably don't. It's just that global politics has once again selfishly decided not to take summer off like the rest of us, because that is apparently the consequence of a gig economy. So in amongst all the stories that have been in the news about snakes eating pigeons on high streets, which did feel like an incredible metaphor for current society, didn't it? Or, you know, stories about the world being on fire, which also felt like an amazing metaphor for society. Or a man falling down a hole in an art gallery that he thought was a painting. Again, another perfect metaphor for 2018. I mean, that's weird. It's like Summer News has been the imaginative commentarial prism through which to explain the rest of the year with. If next week a bunch of angry dinosaurs come back to life and trample all over the Californian area of progress, then I'll claim my theory is absolutely solid. But look, in amongst all of those stories, politicians seem to have seen that it was silly season and they've said, I'm a finna get on that too. So here is a quick roundup of things over the last few weeks just for you to keep you up to date. You're twice welcome. Twelcome. Former Foreign Secretary and vandalised beanbag Boris Johnson dunked his nads into the Islamophobia stew by writing in his Telegraph column that women in burqas look like letterboxes, which really makes me wonder what the Johnson's local post office was like when he was growing up. Did no one question why someone was always peering out, crying for help as an A5 envelope was pushed into their eyes? Johnson's article claimed that he was against the burqa, despite talking about the niqab and unsurprisingly not even being bothered to research that. But he said he was against the burqa because it's oppressive, but he's against a burqa ban and then he took the piss out of women that he believes are being oppressed. It'd be like writing a piece about how necessary child car seats are for the protection of children while describing kids as disgusting snot goblins who only exist to ruin lives. Rowan Atkinson backed Boris saying his joke was very funny which is incorrect as A. It's not B. It's a really old joke as told by many comedians in the early 2000s before they learned to be funnier 
see it's structured pretty badly in the article with the supposed punchline at the start of the sentence. D, jokes are meant to provide an alternative point of view on the world or surprise the audience into laughing, not trot out the same laboured racist point of view as already expressed by arseholes. It is worth noting, though, that Rowan Atkinson's most famous character is a bumbling fuckwit who constantly makes faux pas to the detriment of himself and everyone around him, so you can see why he's a big fan of Boris. Islamophobic attacks rose after Boris's article, and some Conservatives condemned his comments, demanding Johnson face disciplinary action, while others supported him, like the idiot's idiot Nadine Dorries, who said she'd only speak to someone if she could see their face, which must make phone calls, social media and night times extremely hard for her. It's very clear after meeting eroding Bunyan and far-right activist Steve Bannon that Boris is now prepared to do anything he can to become leader, including dog whistle tactics. And I can only hope that he's attacked by a bunch of very angry large dogs before he gets anywhere close to number 10. Meanwhile, feeling left out, Labour leader and children's drawing of a schnauzer, Jeremy Corbyn, was accused of attending a memorial for the Palestinian terrorists behind the Munich massacre in 1972. The story, appearing in the Daily Mail, a newspaper best known for its pulping quality, said that Corbyn attended the memorial in Tunisia in 2014, alongside Palestinian politicians, with pictures showing that he laid a wreath, which sounds like a euphemism, but it isn't. Corbyn's defence was that he was present at the ceremony, but he wasn't involved. Yeah, like the opposite of Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi. I mean, what next? An accusation that he smoked weed, but he says he didn't inhale? Being present at an event but not involved means you've either trespassed and have only snuck in to steal from the buffet, you're off your tits on something so it's entirely passed you by, or you're being fucking useless. It is all a little murky, as Corbyn admitted to laying a wreath to all those that were killed in the 1985 bombing of the Palestinian Liberation Organisation in Tunisia by Israel. However, one of the victims of that bombing was linked to the Black September terrorists in Munich, even though they denied it throughout their life. So, someone has made a grave error somewhere. Arf. Israeli Prime Minister and reject from the film Elf due to his opposition to sharing, Benjamin Netanyahu, condemned Corbyn on Twitter, saying that he deserves unequivocal condemnation from everyone, left, right and everything in between. Odd, he's usually very against everyone coming together for the common good. At a speech at the Edinburgh TV Festival, Corbyn announced ideas for a radical reform of the news media with greater investment in investigative public interest journalism. I mean, at least I think that's what he said, but I did read it on a news site, so it's possible they just copied it off a press release. What it would look like if Binju, dressed up as a human for Halloween, Nigel Farage, is returning to politics, even though politics definitely hasn't invited him back. Nigel is now going to travel around the country with new pro-Brexit group Leave Means Leave, full of a bunch of awful people who ironically refuse to fuck off. If you look at the Who We Are page on their website, it is whiter than a polar bear in a snowstorm, like some sort of catalogue page for stock models for Anasol, with only one woman involved who the others almost certainly only let join in the hope that she'll be taking the lunch orders. Meanwhile, Brexit secretary and skin stretched over a bollard, Dominic Raab, was officially sidelined away from dealing directly with Brussels, as Prime Minister and inspiration for at least seven of the Disney villains, Theresa May, will be dealing with them directly herself. Which is an incredible way of instilling even less hope in the public. Raab only found out about this as a news alert popped up on his phone while he faced questions from the Commons Brexit Committee, which I suppose meant that he was still just as qualified to answer their questions as absolutely anyone else in government. While he was there, he reassured everyone that were the UK to crash out of the EU with no deal, there would be adequate food. That's a great phrase I wish had been splashed on the side of a bus. I mean, adequate is never really a good prefix to anything, is it? From food, oxygen, healthcare, all the way to rest, fun or girth. Whew, adequate food. Thank God for that. 
There have also been concerns that a no deal will affect medicine supplies, including insulin, which, as a type 1 diabetic, leaves me slightly conflicted. Because, I mean, a good deal would mean that I could continue to survive with my necessary medication as before, but a no deal would mean that I'd probably be dead within two to three weeks, and then at least I'd never have to hear about fucking Brexit ever again. Also, Theresa May is a type 1 diabetic, so you see what I mean? Every cloud. Jeremy Corbyn has said Labour would absolutely vote against the No Deal, which likely means that at least three to four of Labour will vote for it. Fifty or more will then abstain because they hope that they'd get rid of Corbyn, completely forgetting that they might need him during a No Deal as his allotment could prove useful for survival. The government have published guidance for if the UK ends up with a No Deal, which incredibly isn't just a book with Don't Panic written on the front. Instead, it mainly says that there'll be more bureaucracy, more costs, farmers will have at least nine months before they can trade with the EU, places will have to stockpile things, and there'll be less sperm donations from Denmark, which is okay because all those British farmers will have pretty idle hands for a while. Oh, and there'd have to be new pictures on cigarette warning packets as the EU owns the current ones, so may I just suggest Nigel Farage's face plastered across each packet? I'm pretty sure he'd be chuffed. Disgraced MP and International Trade Secretary Liam the Disgraced Fox says the UK should set its sights high, something that's easy to do when you're ground zero, and that the country can be a 21st century exporting superpower, but mainly because I think he's forgotten that we're in the 21st century already, and that the year 2100 onwards is actually the 22nd century. In the US, both the campaign chairman and ex-lawyer of President and bloat drone Donald Trump have been indicted by the Mueller campaign, with the latter of those, Michael Cohen, a man who looks like if Henry Wrinkler had a Valium addiction, pleading guilty to violating election laws and saying that he did it under Trump's directions. Trump responded on Twitter, of course, by saying that if anyone was looking for a good lawyer, he'd strongly suggest you don't retain the services of Michael Cohen, which... I mean, he had. I mean, that's just further proof that as someone whose main TV job before the presidency was assuming the role of someone who knew who best to hire for work, he was even supremely unqualified for that. So, with two of his associates facing jail sentences, statements under oath that there was a meeting in Trump Tower to get information about Hillary from a Russian source, and that electoral law was broken under Trump's orders, everyone is crossing absolutely everything until possible injury that this could mean Trump's impeachment someday soon. However, Trump has said that if that happens, the market would crash and everyone would be very poor. I mean, that feels a lot like when a bully at school defends themselves against retaliation by threatening that if you punch them, they'll also be sick. Trump being impeached and then the market crashing, ruining his businesses further, would only be further proof that money doesn't buy happiness. British Foreign Secretary and cursed cheese string Jeremy Hunt visited the US and has demanded further sanctions on Russia. Yes, this is a man who once hid behind a tree from reporters, now making demands on Russia. It's like an ant with diarrhoea physically threatening an elephant. Earlier in the summer, Hunt made a visit to Beijing where he managed to forget the ethnicity of his wife, who is Chinese, and instead tell his hosts that she's Japanese, proving that he was, in fact, the perfect choice to succeed Boris in that job after all. So that's Hunt now forgetting where his wife's from, forgetting about luxury flats that he owns, generally during his time as health secretary, forgetting what the NHS actually needed, and so we can only hope that he'll soon forget what his current job is and never turn up for work again. Defence Secretary Gavin Williamson confused officials when he suggested putting big guns on tractors and hiding missile systems inside Coca-Cola trucks when looking at ways to cover the Defence Department's budget shortfall. Which seems bonkers, but again, if those farmers have nothing else to do for nine months, then maybe it's not such a bad idea. May I suggest they use (coughs) a field gun? (coughs) Thank you, thank you. And lastly, in 2017, the Conservatives made more money from dead people than it did from members, earning 835000 from membership fees, but £1.7 million from money left to them in wills and legacies. No wonder they're so keen on people suffering and dying from their policies and consistently running a zombie government.
So, all caught up? Well, I hope that's helped, and hopefully it'll keep your news vat filled to the brim until this podcast starts up again. Um, speaking of which, uh, a quick thank you to all of you who have filled out the survey about the show. Well, except except the one person who filled it out and hasn't actually listened to the show ever, and therefore all your stupid opinions are useless. I don't know. Why would you do that? Why, no one wants to fill out a survey that's got absolutely no use to them. Uh, rubbish. What? Oh, I hate you. Not that you'll ever know, because you won't hear this. Oh, it makes me so angry. But for the rest of you... Um, the feedback has been genuinely useful uh, yes I'm trying to find a better way to record interviews so they sound better I'm already on that I've already found a better way to master and equalise them and other words I don't really understand but hopefully that will make a difference um, I'm also going to try and keep interviews shorter with any extra bits either released as a separate episode so you busy types can just skip it or I'll pop them on the Patreon and um, we can do it like that um, all your guest recommendations have been brilliant I'm trying to get as many of those subjects covered when the show starts up again I've already got someone uh, who's going to talk to me about about protests as someone asked me to get uh, lined up so that's very exciting um so yeah good that's really been hugely helpful and i think we've possibly got a tagline uh too so we'll work on that when i come back um i've also got some slightly grumpier responses to some of the questions on there which is a bit rude i know but i felt it was necessary uh no i won't interview mps unless they do have specific non-party or cross-party campaigns that i can talk to them about i will occasionally try to interview another comedian but only if it's to do with politics otherwise there are six billion other comedy podcasts out there try one of those um, no I won't entirely split the comedy and interviews into separate weekly shows even though I can see the appeal but then that makes this two completely different podcasts which is twice the amount of time and oh I wish I could spend that sort of time on it but I also have to earn money at some point otherwise my family will starve no I'm not getting rid of the harsh descriptions of politicians no I won't fucking stop using fucking foul language I hope that helps um, if you haven't filled out the survey and considering that 47 of you have and there's quite a lot more listeners than that. Um, so if you would like to, and you would like to help shape the future of this show, how about I'm, I'm going for curvy, maybe curvy, maybe maybe bulky, who knows, um, then do click the link. What am I talking about? No one knows. Click the link in this podcast app info. You know the little blurb that no one ever looks at. I've put it in there, um, or I post it on the Facebook or the Twitter pages several billion times too. Um, I'm going to leave it running until mid-September, so please do give me some feedback. It's very helpful. Um, also, don't forget to waste some of your summer reviewing the podcast on your pod app of choice donating money to the ko-fi.com forward slash parpol bro or patreon.com forward slash parpol bro pages or listening to old episodes via partlypoliticalbroadcast.co.uk or just sending me abusive messages via email about how even on this mini break break episode i'm managing to cram in that same boring self-promoting plugging you're double welcome delcom I also mustn't forget that if you live in Bath, as in the place, uh, not that you can't just leave that lovely, warm, bubbly washroom haven with all your rubber duck pals, uh, no, I mean the place, then myself and Tatton Spiller of Simple Politics fame are doing our family politics show, How Does This Politics Thing Work Then?, four times at the Egg Theatre, four times on the 15th and 16th of September, and that's at 11.30am and 3pm each day. How amazing is that? I will have got back from Hong Kong a day and a half before and will be jet-lagged to fuckery. It will be amazing. Um, after our show in Milton Keynes uh, of, of this show um, a boy told us that he thought politics was boring but our show changed his mind and he now thinks it's fun that is a total win that's what we're trying to do make people make young people interested in politics uh, and hopefully not be apathetic so bring your little children types to that if you live nearby um, tickets are on sale on the internet somewhere probably in a little corner somewhere hiding behind the biscuits um, or on the theatre's website which is probably easier and that's it for now I'm now going to retreat 
back into my temporary news-free bubble, which I have to say is a lovely place indeed, um, albeit for a crying, teething five-month-old who is wailing as though she's watched the news. Uh, so to be honest, it's really not all that different. Um, the podcast is going to be back on September the 18th, so put that date in your diaries, get your pod apps ready, make sure you're subscribed, you've told everyone you know to subscribe, and you've set up that massive PA system to play it through when it arrives so you can make your neighbours really, really sad. Bye! ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.